Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. The AccuNet Mortgage Talk and Text Line is open now. Give Jeff a call at 855-616-1620. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Good afternoon, Wisconsin. Welcome to the show. As I was mentioning a moment ago, during the program yesterday, as the, the riots were breaking out in Washington, D.C., and the takeover of the Capitol, one of the callers said, Jeff, I think you're really missing the boat. You're, you know, because I, I firmly believe that this, these are not Trump supporters. These not, are not the Make America Great Again people. These are these are Democrat operatives who are posing as Trump supporters or maybe Antifa. And as I said a couple moments ago, it takes a lot to render me speechless. But I, I did not know what to say to that. In any event, if if you want to understand who some of these people are and make it very clear that, that this was look antifa gets a lot of blame for a lot of stuff there, there is just no question uh, about it but th- that's not what this was if you follow me on twitter it's at jeff wagner 620 that the bbc um is in the process of identifying some of the people who broke into the capitol building and i i, I have a link to that story up on twitter one of the, the pictures was the guy who is standing in the capitol with the painted face, the fur hat, the horns holding an American flag. All right, that that guy, um, well, he's been identified. His name is Jake Angeli. He is a, um, he's one of the, the big promoters of the, the QAnon stuff. You know, that's the, the, he calls himself a QAnon shaman. So not Antifa, not a, a Democrat operative. Um, number of members of the Proud Boys, for example, I'm looking at a couple photographs um, of people that are in the Capitol, kind of taking selfies of themselves there, smoking cigarettes. Um, one of the members, a guy named Nick Oaks, who tweeted a selfie saying, hello from the Capitol, laugh out loud. He's um, he's a Proud, Proud Boys elder from Hawaii. Um, one of the other ones that you see the picture of the guy behind Nancy Pelosi's desk and... <laughs> Yeah, it's just, I'm almost, I'm just amazed that that people think that this is okay to do this. But there's a picture of the guy um, with his feet up on Nancy Pelosi's desk. That got a lot of attention. Um, His name is Richard Barnett. He's, um, he calls himself Big O. Richard Big O Barnett from Gravette, Arkansas. He apparently took a personalized, he's showing a, he stole a personalized envelope from uh, Nancy Pelosi's office. He says he didn't steal it. I left a quarter on her desk for this. So if you want to see the pictures of some of the, the fringe that, that was there, um, Please feel free to do it. Okay, let me describe what we're going to do in the program today. Yesterday, we were, of course, talking about this in real time, and we had a wide-ranging discussion, people's reactions and all. We're we're going to spend a lot of time, not the whole program, but a lot of time today talking about what happened yesterday. But I I really do want to focus this into various areas. And I understand there's going to be a temptation for people to wander off and and want to talk about other things. We'll get get to a lot of stuff related to this. But I I want us to focus on different areas as, as we have this conversation. All right, the first thing I want to talk about... And it's a follow-up to how I started the program yesterday. Donald Trump Jr. addressing the protesters who subsequently turned into a mob of rioters. um, Was talking about how there was not a Republican Party anymore. It was it was the Donald Trump 
Republican Party. And my point at the time was, no, I, that, that, that is not the case. There, there might be people who continue to belong to the, this cult of Trump, but that is not what the Republican Party is, and it's not what the Republican Party is going to be moving forward. I also believe that any viability that Donald Trump might have had as a candidate or an influencer or, I don't know, a mover and shaker, I, I think it ended yesterday, and I think the vast majority of people, left and right, are now simply ready for President Trump to leave office two weeks from today and then do whatever he's going to do in his retirement, play golf, whatever. But I think the events of yesterday pretty much ended ended Trumpism as a political movement, at least as embodied by Donald Trump. But the fundamental question, when I say that, I know there's some of you that are there and you're shaking your heads. Ah, that Wagner just doesn't get it. He's become this huge lefty, etc. No, I, I think it is very clear that Donald Trump owns what happened yesterday. And this was predictable. I mean, going back to a tweet that he sent out a couple weeks ago, December 19th, he, he, this is what he wrote. He said, big protest in D.C. on January 6th. Be there. It will be wild. Well, yeah, it it was wild, no question about it. There's a column today that appears in the Chicago Tribune by a conservative columnist named John Cass, who I quote from time to time. Let me share a portion of his comments with you as a starting point. There is one man responsible for what happened in Washington on Wednesday as America watched the heart of the republic under the assault of an angry mob, Donald Trump. It was nauseating. He owns this. He egged on his supporters. He whipped them into a frenzy. He called them there to rally, to use their love of country as leverage to force his will upon the republic and against its law. Soon they breached the Capitol and climbed the walls. It was indeed shameful. All that was missing were dying horses struggling in the street and cannonballs and groups of men drunk on cheap rum. But this isn't the late 1700s. It's 2021. This was no different from the looters in Democratic cities all summer long who destroyed peaceful protest for the sake of satisfying their appetite for violence. There is nothing remotely conservative about mob rule. Yet there was Trump, like some Pied Piper, leading his followers into dangerous fantasy, a story in which he was the hero denied his just due by scoundrels who stole the election from him. He had no evidence of widespread voter fraud. Even conservative judges he appointed noted he had no evidence to back his claim of widespread fraud. He'd all but called his own vice president, Mike Pence, a coward for not supporting his claims. Pence did the right thing by his country, refusing to play along with Trump and announcing his intention to not oppose the certification of the electoral college vote. Um, Outside, Trump whipped up the crowd. They'd been ridiculed by corporate media, by big tech that sought to silence them, by the establishment crowd, Republican and Democrat, who feared them yet sought to herd them. There is nothing like a mob full of anger. The resentment in them building year after year finally lathered up and ready to jump. Then there was Washington on Wednesday. We've got to get rid of the weak Congress people, the ones that aren't any good, Trump said. Today we will see whether Republicans stand strong for integrity of our elections, but whether or not they stand strong for our country. Our country has been under siege for a long time. 
broadcast rights. If that's not inciting a riot, what is? And so the chaos in Washington belongs to Trump. The woman who shot was shot in the chest who died. The Capitol stormed by an angry crowd, guns drawn by police, pro-Trump protesters running through offices, and the emergency evacuation of senators who, in keeping with our nation's sacred traditions, were certifying electoral votes to make Joe Biden the next president of the United States. Trump, who styles himself as a stand-up guy, was silent as his supporters stormed the Capitol. Later, shamed, he put out a video on Twitter saying he understood their action and their anger, yet repeated the election had been stolen from him and from them. But you have to go home now. We can't play into the hands of these people. We have to go in peace. I know how you feel, but go home and go in peace. Go in peace? Too late for that, Mr. President. Those who storm the Capitol should be prosecuted and sent to prison. They can thank you for it. All right. Um, and then it goes on, goes on to talk about different things and, you know, where we go from here. But this is a conservative columnist in the Chicago Tribune, um, again, pointing out that, that Trump, Trump owns this. Joe Biden came out and said that the words of the president do matter. Yeah, they, they, they do. And I think President Trump's words yesterday failed the nation and his supporters as the mob stormed the Capitol. I think this is all on him. Our number, 855-616-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Now, obviously, the people that broke into the Capitol bear the responsibility. They're the ones that deserve to be prosecuted and should be prosecuted to the fullest extent of the law. But let's tee this up. Does Trump own this? Should Trump own this? Does this effectively end Trumpism in this country? And my answer is yes, yes, and for all practical purposes, yes. We discuss in a moment. 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. You're listening to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. 855-616-1620. Let's start with Mike in Illinois. Mike, good afternoon. Hi, Jeff. How are you? Real well, thank you. What do you think? Well, I agree with half of what you said. I do believe that uh, Trumpism is over. Um, I know I spoke with you earlier in the week, and, um, you know, he lost me. Well, when Bill Barr certainly came out and said there was no evidence, and then certainly what happened over the last weekend, um, that's when I, the question was asked if I would vote for him again, uh, or if I could change it. I could not vote for him now, but I do feel Trumpism is over, but I do not feel that he owns what happened. Tell me why. This is the reason why. I believe that um, when he won in 2016, he tapped into an undercurrent of anger that has been in this country for some time now. And when he had that protest yesterday, he did not tell those people to do what they did. Those people were adults. And I don't think that he necessarily espouses it. Yeah, he wants he, he wanted to overturn the election. There's no doubt about that. But I don't think he espouses that violence. Well, um, okay, I, but, the, but the idea, he, he, would you agree with me that, that he never told them to stand down until late in the afternoon? Then even then he said, yeah. I, I, love, I love you guys. I, I love what you're doing. And even in the context of saying, well, I think you need to stand down, which came several hours into all this, it was still cloaked in the, we were ripped off, we were stolen. I mean, I guess, what is a leader, Mike? When, when you see this happening, if these are your supporters, shouldn't you be out front right away saying, stop, knock this off, get out of the Capitol? Yeah. I was obviously listening to your show yesterday, so yeah, I was following the news as you guys were reporting it, and yes, he was late in coming out. Um, you know, I'm not sure of you know his exact motives, but I still believe that 
you know, there is an undercurrent. And I know you don't want to get off subject a little bit, but the one thing, and I'm sure you're going to probably talk about it later, but it, the protests that happened over the summer are being reported differently, much differently than these were. There was condemnation on both sides of the aisle for this. When it had, with the protests in the summer, there was no condemnation from the Democrats. Even during the whole convention, you did not hear one thing. And if a black woman, unarmed black woman, had been shot during the Black Lives Matter protests or the other protests that happened, there would have been an uproar. I listened to another station before I listened to you, your station. I listened to uh, Illinois okay. uh, station. And barely reporting that an unarmed white woman was shot by police. Well, How do you think that would have been handled if it was an unarmed black woman? Well, 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 Mike, I, I, I think there, there's still at some point in time maybe an an uproar about that that shooting, and I, the circ, the circumstances of that are going to become are going to be investigated as to whether or not. I mean, I've seen the videotape of, of her being shot, and the question is going to be: Was it necessary to do that and all? And and I do think. I, I do think that the universal condemnation, which was appropriate as to what happened yesterday, I, I do think that there are some people who were late to the game in condemning when some of the social justice protests turned to violence and to the rioting, again, separating the protests from the, the riots. And so, I, but that to me, I guess, doesn't justify in any way, shape, or form what it was that ended up happening yesterday. 855-616-1620, back with more in just a moment. Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. 855-616-1620. And I'm getting a couple texts. I, I'm getting lots and lots of texts. But let me read one that's kind of representative uh, about this. And and, and I, let me just say this at the outset. I, I think you have to be consistent. And one of the things I pride myself on this program is trying to be intellectually consistent, not having situational ethics. And that is... If you're going to be appalled, and I think all of us should be appalled by what happened yesterday in Washington, D.C., if you're not, there's something wrong. On the other hand, I, I think there's some people who've looked the other way at some of the other acts of violence that have gone on during the, the summer. And and to me, the, the bigger picture is we have to recognize that we're, we're kind of a tinderbox in this country, and, and we need – we need elected officials. We need leaders. We need the grown. We need people to be grown ups and not condoning this. Now, here's a text, Jeff. What happened yesterday, as well as the whole year, is on our society as a whole. Until we start making troublemakers on both sides of the aisle accountable, this will continue to happen. Our leaders have let Portland burn for over a hundred days. People take over part of Seattle. People beat up a Madison Democratic representa- representative outside of the Capitol. People burn Kenosha down, and none of these people are held accountable. Well, that's not quite true. That's that's a matter of fact, that's not true at all. There's people have been charged with these different sort of things. Um, the texter continues to say, so I say we're all to blame until we want law and order to start happening. And I, I, I agree that what you saw yesterday was an extension and a continuation from a different side when it comes to the, the, where we have become in the society. But it, it's bad. It, it's just bad. And, and maybe yesterday will be... Maybe it's going to be the straw that breaks the camel's back where we say, okay, enough is enough when it comes to this. Gianni and Montello, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Hey, good afternoon, Jeff. Uh, very, very good topic. Hey, listen, I, I think w- what we have to remember first and foremost 
uh, that, that yesterday four people were killed. And, and that is the real tragedy. I mean, you know, if there was damage done to the Capitol, that, that can be, um, you know, that can be repaired. But uh, four people are going to have, four families are going to have funerals now. And that is a real tragedy. But I have to d- d- mirror a little bit from, from your, your, your sentiment, Jeff. I'm not sure that we can put this entirely on, on, on Donald Trump. You know, for, this has been going on, his rhetoric has been going on for over four years now. And uh, he's surrounded by significance uh, that uh, not only in his administration, but uh, in the Congress and the Senate um, that have done very little to censor him. And, you know, I think if we're going to if we're, if we're going to lay this at the feet of, of Donald Trump, then I, I think there are many in the Republican Party, including many that voted for him, who bear uh, some of that responsibility as well. And, and by the way, it, it, people have free will that, that nobody pushed um, these people into the, 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 the Senate chambers yesterday. And nobody, you know, they, they chose to perpetrate this violence. Right. And, and I think they, they should did. be held accountable. Oh, of course, Johnny. I mean, I, 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 Johnny, I don't disagree with you. Of course they should be held accountable. I guess the question, and yes, and you're right that people have free will, and Donald Trump didn't go out and grab somebody by the belt loops and throw them through the wind, say, okay, break this glass. But clearly by his rhetoric, he inspired that. And then by sitting around for hours while this was happening with no real condemnation of this and no call to stop, yeah, I, I mean, I think he owns it. Jeff, You uh, to your point about the people who voted for him, here's a text. Jeff, you asked on Tuesday whether or not what happened with Trump on the last weekend would have changed my vote. I said, who else would I have voted for? Well, I'm telling you, there is no way I could hold my nose enough now to vote for him now. Trump is dead to me. I can't imagine him getting four more years in the office of the president to solidify his power. He would never leave the White House. All right, we continue right there. 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Does Donald Trump own what what happened in Washington yesterday. Back to Take Your Calls. Here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. I I, I will say one of the most stunning things that I, I saw yesterday was while this is all going on, that it's like, okay, where where is President Trump? And he's sending out tweets. And instead of being very clear and demonstrating leadership and saying, look, this is not what this country is about. You know, we we do not stage coups. We do not storm the houses of power. We do not riot. That is not what this country is about, and that is not what my supporters should be about. And I appreciate that maybe you feel that I have been treated wrongly, but stop it. That That's not what you got. You get this is a fraudulent election, but we can't play into the hands of the people. Um, we have to have peace. Go home. We love you. You're very special. We love you. You're very special. <laughs> oh, all right. You're breaking windows in the Capitol. You're storming around. I mean, you, we love you. You're very special. Then he says on Twitter, these are things and events that happen when a sacred landslide election victory is so unceremoniously and viciously stripped from great patriots who have been badly and unfairly treated for so long. Okay, great land, sacred landslide election victory. I mean, what world, what world do we live in now? And I guess that that's the thing that really kind of struck me about this. It's not just whipping the crowd into a frenzy, but then it's sitting by hour after hour after hour watching these things occurring. That is not leadership. And I, I think, you know, candidly, the, the, the Trump, Trump, as at least in my opinion, 
Trump as a political force in this country. Trumpism ended yesterday. And I I understand that there are going to be hangers on and there's but it's going to be a diminishing group because I think for the vast majority of people, including people who of the 70 million people who voted for Donald Trump in November, I I think the vast majority of those people have now probably said enough is is enough as as well. And it's so maybe it is predictable, but it's so very, very disappointing if you think about what the last couple months could have been. President Trump could have used his remaining time in office to try to carve out a legacy. He could have used it, for example, to help buttress the the elections in in Georgia. I, mean, I sent out another tweet this morning um, up about Georgia. It, it's just there's no question about it. I mean, Donald Trump, his behavior, his conduct over the course of the last couple months cost Republicans two Senate seats in Georgia. He has to own that as well, because instead of talking about the economy and the need to control the the, the Biden administration, all Trump was talking about is how I was ripped off. And the effect of that was to depress Republican vote turnout. Thanks a lot, Mr. President. And then, of course, you have that culminate in the appalling stuff that happened yesterday. Sam and McHenry. Sam, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon, Jeff. Hi, Sam. Well, you know, what is Trumpism? Is it the man and his antics? Because if that's what it is, you're probably right. It's probably going to just fade away into the sunset with the sunset. But if you're talking about his agenda that he ran on four years ago and fighting what the Democrats are now proposing with getting rid of the Electoral College and Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, making D.C. a state and, and getting rid of the filibuster. You know, if you if you drag that into the conversation, I would say it's only getting be, it's just starting because I had a family member that was there yesterday. And, you know, the focus has been on the riding. And, yeah, that's a banana republic. No question about it. But there was a lot of good, peaceful people there that came there to stand up for what Trump was fighting for and. You know, well, let me ask you this. What do you think at the end of the day, Sam, what do you think over the last couple of months Donald Trump was fighting for? Because my, my answer would be he wasn't fighting for the American people. He was fighting to try to retain his hold on power. Well, yeah, in an, you know, in an indirect way. I, yeah, he could have spent more time. I agree with you. Let's get back to the, you know, the agenda that I ran on. And let's keep that in the focus. And I can. I think I could work with you on that area. I, you know, he, I wish he would have talked about that more too. And he, you know, it was this election, and mm-hmm. you know, and some of the boorish behavior. I guess that goes with all of that. And certainly, yeah. if that's what Trumpism is, yeah, that's probably you know in trouble right now. But if it's your, if it's the agenda that he was, you know, fighting yeah. for and getting I, people. That's well and alive, and I don't see that ending anytime soon. And when, you know, again, let's just talk about the last four years. You know, the dossier, nothing done about that. The Clintons, you got Nancy Pelosi tearing up his speech on a national stage. Okay, Sam, I'm I'm going to stop you. I'm I'm going to stop you just because I I, I don't want to rehash the last four years. If, If you mean that some of the substantive policy issues that the president raised over the course of the last four years, sort of the, the okay, we need to tighten tar- tariffs on China and, and things like that, and some of the America First stuff. Oh, okay, I, I that may not have gone away. The, but I'm, as, as, Donald, as far as Donald Trump being the messenger, as far as 
Donald Trump being the kingmaker, as far as Donald Trump being an independent political candidate, as far as the Republican Party not being the Republican Party, but the Republican Party, it's the Donald Trump Republican Party, I I don't think so. Now, like I say, there, there might be a handful of people who hang on to that, but but that, to me, that that's going away. All right, let me share some text because I've gotten behind with this. The silver lining in this debacle is it will be much easier for the GOP to separate from this megalomaniac and his lunatic kid and move on. It's time to lower the country's temperature and get on with the healing. Um, yes, Jeff, I'm not listening to you anymore. You're nothing but Charlie Sykes. <laughs> I, I'm not listening to you anymore because how dare you? How dare you condemn those people that rioted at the Capitol? How dare you belong and blame Donald Trump for this? Well, okay, if that's if that's what you need to listen to the program, I, I'm sure that there are places that you can go on the radio to find people who will preach to that choir. I'm not one of them. Um, okay, let's see. Um, uh, 855-616-1620, which is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Jeff, the policy issues he raised were all about his ego. Um, Jeff, he did not have an agenda in 2020. Um, Jeff, he's like Nero fiddling when Rome burned. Jeff, if Trump doesn't own the riots yesterday, then no mafia boss could ever be convicted on conspiracy to commit crimes. He was the leader. He was the person who incited the insurrection. Um, Jeff, I think this was tit for tat. Conservatives are known to be passive. Maybe it's time we speak up as the Democrats over the last four years. All right. Look, this is it is one thing to speak up. It is another thing to storm the Capitol, to break into the Capitol. It is another thing to disrupt the proceedings of of government and and sit in Nancy storm through Nancy Pelosi's office. I'm sorry if that's if that's what you have to be. That is not a club that anybody should belong to. It's just it's just not Jeff I believe I believe the media is partly to blame for this the reason I say that is because the media is driven by ratings and extreme views on disagreements and arguments are typically what gets higher ratings and I think this has been propagated in our society for a long time and I think it creates more division than what actually exists and let me stop there because I I don't necessarily disagree with some of those thoughts Here, here's the bottom line over the last four years the In an era where newspapers are struggling, the New York Times and to a lesser extent, the Washington Post, their online editions, they've gone through the they've 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 gone through the numbers have gone through the roof because they the New York Times, as the paper of record, set itself out to be the paper, the anti-Trump paper. And just like Fox News, you can argue, pandered to the right, just like MSNBC panders to the left. The New York Times decided four years ago, we're, we are going to be the anti-Trump party. And so I challenge you, you go back and you look at the stories, for example, in New York Times over the last four years, and my, my guess is 95% of them had an anti-Trump spin. It, it wasn't reporting. It was, we're going to spin this because this is what our audience wants, and we're going to give it to them to the point that even if there was something that Trump did that they liked, no, we're, we're going to end up downplaying it. So I do think, does the media have a blame, blame the responsibility for what happened yesterday? Well, of course not. But ha- have we seen any degree of balanced coverage? No. And I, I do think... 
in some respects, you do have a, a mainstream media which has promulgated and some of, of the stuff that's happened in this country over the last few years. Now, that's not to blame the media for it necessarily. It's to say that there's a lot of blame, I think, to go around. Um, Jeff, liberals stormed the Wisconsin Capitol 10 years ago. Actually, they occupied it. I, it, I, I said this on, on both my Twitter account and on the air yesterday. What happened in the Capitol yesterday was reminiscent, not identical, but it reminded me of what happened 10 years ago with, with Act 10. Now, some people, I got some blowback from the left. Oh, this is completely different. There wasn't a noose that was hanging there. No, there wasn't a noose that was hanging there, but there was a lot of bad behavior. There were a lot of, there was a lot of damage that was done. There were th- threats and death threats and destruction and things of the like. It wasn't identical, but, but this, This has been the way, unfortunately, that we have seen people respond to policies that they do not like. And yesterday was out of control and out of touch. I would argue 10 years ago was out of control as well. I I just think that we have to be better as a society than that. Back with more in just a minute. Back for more. Here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. We're just getting warmed up. Lamar in Orlando. Lamar, good afternoon. Hey, Jeff, thanks for taking my call. 75 degrees in Orlando, is that what I hear, or thereabouts? Yeah, it's, it's, I wouldn't say it's, it's about 70. Okay. Not that 75 degrees makes much of a difference, but <laughs> especially considering what it probably is up there. But um, okay. What do you think? So, so Trumpism is done, but there's something that the never-Trumpers, including your former colleague, uh, Charlie Sykes, understood about Donald Trump. He only cares about self. And I'm not... It's, this is a shameful mark in, in you know, American history um, because it's just shameful. But I'm not surprised that it got to this point. Um, Bill Maher has been saying for months that Trump is not going to leave. He's been saying it for months, right? And we, we're, we've seen the, the, the last effort for him to stay in office. And so I'm not surprised that he I'm, – I'm, I'm, I'm upset that he stoked – you know, the, the, you know, stoked the, you know, his supporters up to getting them mad enough to storm the Capitol. But I'm not surprised. Mm-hmm. And I think that, you know, again, people, this is why character matters. Everyone keeps saying, oh, he just says bad things, but he gets this agenda. But, but character matters because at the end of the day, um, narcissists, they don't care. Yeah. And they will do anything to, to, to hold and re- he will do anything to hold and retain power. And he has his base still convinced that he, 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 he know that remember we, for every time he does something, he knows exactly what he's doing, right? Mm-hmm. They always say, oh, he plays chess. He doesn't know what he's doing. The only thing Trump cares about is self, and we're seeing we saw that yesterday, and it's it's very unfortunate. But he is who we thought he was for us, not never Trumpers that just never supported him. Well, you know, th- thanks for the call, Lamar. It, it is as I said a couple minutes ago. It's I, after the election, he had a chance, a, a chance, an opportunity, I think, to solidify his legacy, and I mean, seventy million people voted for him. And and continue perhaps to to be a force in, in American politics. I don't know if as a viable candidate four years from now, but certainly as a as an influencer and maybe a kingmaker to an extent. Um, I I think he has largely flushed that by by instead of concentrating on the good of the country. In my opinion, for the last two months, it, it has been, and maybe it applies to what you're saying, the narcissist. It's been all about trying to to retain power and do whatever you can. And I'm not talking about bringing lawsuits if you want to bring lawsuits, but I'm talking about all this other stuff, trying to whip up people. Even yesterday, sending out these tweets, I won a landslide election. 
okay, does anybody besides the guy in the with the horns and the fur cap and the body paint, does anybody really think that Donald Trump won in a landslide? I mean, seriously, it, it is th- this sort of detachment from reality. And candidly, w- whatever you thought his legacy might be, I, I think he's you know hurt that a lot. I, I get I, I read some of the the contrary e- texts we get simply to give you an idea of what people are thinking. That's what we do on a talk radio show, and we kind of interact about that. And I think sometimes people get the idea that that that's ninety five percent of the texts that come in, and and it's it's not. It's just me picking and choosing a little bit to, to show you what some people are thinking so we can have a discussion. Um, a lot of these are, are texts like this. Jeff, thanks for being the voice of reason on this issue. I'm a lifelong Republican who's always considered our party to be the party of class and wisdom. When Trump was elected, I could not believe how some Republicans stood by him through despicable behavior. He has done some good for the country, but not enough to excuse what happened yesterday. I'm praying we will regain respect within the party again um yeah it's it's there is that element that's there um jeff i saw this coming a mile away starting with the shameful birtherism birtherism of president obama um well i think there it's been it's this has been a long time coming there's no question but i admit i'm surprised Maybe I shouldn't be surprised at what happened yesterday, but I guess I never thought it would get to that level. Mike in Oak Creek. Mike, you're on WTMJ. Hi there, and uh, thank you for taking my call. Yes, sir. I'm a lifelong uh, liberal, which means all of your listeners are going to hate me. Oh, no, um, don't. you'd be but, surprised. Trust me. You, you, you'd be surprised how diverse our audience is. But go ahead. <laughs> I, I am incredulous at what I'm hearing. I thought the Republican Party was all about taking responsibility for your actions. For the last four years, you, your listeners, the entire Republican Party has done nothing but empower this man. No one would stand up to him. You knew what was it, what he was, what he was in 2016, a narcissist. He cozies up to dictators. No one would stand up to this man. You empowered him, and now you're surprised at what happened yesterday? Why is no one taking responsibility for empowering this guy? Well, okay, so you're talking about the 70-plus million people that voted for him four years ago? They should all take responsibility? Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. Well, okay. Well, that, that, thanks for the call, Mike. That's that. That it's it's everybody's fault that that elected Donald Trump. Well, I, I think people elected Donald Trump in 2016 because they found him to be the superior alternative to Hillary Clinton, and they were willing to say we're willing to overlook some of his flaws as a human being because we agree with his policies. And as I have said for four years. I, I have criticized him when I felt it was appropriate, and that was a lot, as regular listeners know, and I have supported him when I think the policies that he's implemented have been appropriate. I think that's the way you have to behave. At the same time, I, I think you do reach a point where you say enough is enough, and it's very clear that we have now reached that point. The last two months, I think his behavior has reached just an unprecedented level of irresponsibility, and it culminated yet in what happened yesterday. All right, now, 
we, we talked in this first hour about whether or not Trump has to own what happened yesterday. I want to pivot coming up in a couple minutes. I want to talk about the response of the police. There's a lot of conversation saying, why, why was this allowed to happen by the police? There's people who were saying, oh, if this was a Black Lives Matter move, protest, it would never have gotten that far. We're going to discuss a lot of different aspects of that. So stick around. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Good afternoon, Wisconsin. Welcome. This is one of these segments, again, where I don't think anybody's going to be happy with what I'm about to say, because there will be people on one side who will hear one thing and people on the other side who hear the other things. But, you know, I call them like I see them. Here, here Here is the deal. I think the response of the Capitol Police yesterday was was appalling. And I think it is very, very fair to question why was this allowed to get this far, especially when we knew that there was a large group of people who who were coming to Washington, D.C. And large groups of people descending on Washington, D.C. is is nothing unusual. There are demonstrations in Washington, D.C. all the time. What was unusual yesterday is that the demonstration got so out of control and that the police, the Capitol Police, were so ill-prepared to deal with this. So that is a very, very fair question. How could this have been allowed to get so out of control? Now, having said that, I, I, I was just listening to President-elect Biden saying, well, you know, if this was if this was a Black Lives Matter protest, this wouldn't happen. To which I, I would say, uh, Mr. Vice President, uh, Mr. President-elect, did, did you watch what happened in Kenosha, for example, last August? When you saw, again, what turned out to started as a social justice protest where quickly it got out of control. Are, are, do, were you not aware that, for example, there was there was widespread looting and burning, for example, in Kenosha? Did you not pay attention to what's been going on in Madison, to give you an example, where for a couple nights, essentially law enforcement allowed protesters to and again i'm separating protesters from the the violent mob just like you had a violent mob that was in dc yesterday you had protesters slash the mob that was destroying statues and burning buildings have you not been paying attention to what's been going on in say seattle or uh, what went on in minneapolis or what went on and continues to go on in portland that so that this idea that well um this was something unique by the law enforcement's failure to respond, I, I just I, I do find that a little bit head scratching, which isn't to endorse this at all. Here's what I think happened yesterday. And in many respects, it is similar to what happened in Madison this summer and what happened in Kenosha. Let me use the word reminiscent because some people say, oh, this was a little this was different. OK, I'll, let me use the word reminiscent. What happened, let's say Kenosha, the first couple nights of the riots in Kenosha, what happened was law enforcement was overwhelmed. And when I had a chance to talk to the Kenosha County Sheriff, David, Beth, that's the first thing he said. They had a spontaneous outbreak after the the Kenosha incident they had this spontaneous outbreak and and they were just overwhelmed there were more 
protesters slash rioters slash members of the mob. And again, I understand you separate between the legitimate protesters and the people who were there to to burn and destroy. But they overwhelm the police. The police response, the law enforcement response was not adequate. And to the texter who says, well, how, how come you haven't called out Democrat governors? I, I, you got to listen to the program. I think Tony Evers, one of the low points of the Evers administration, has been his failure was his failure to get enough National Guard people authorized and get them in place and empower them to get control of what happened in Kenosha. But the cops were overwhelmed by the the size and the degree of violence in the demonstration to the point that for their own self-protection and interest, that they weren't able to engage the mob. And then what happened is a couple days later, once they finally did have enough for civilian control, what ended up happening was that um, then you, you had the that the Kyle Rittenhouses of the world who decided that we need our own militia presence to come. And we all know how that turned out, whether he's convicted or not. We all know that the idea of 17-year-olds running through the streets in those situations with loaded firearms Nothing good is going to come of that. Same thing was true in Madison. You had, I think, the the police that were ill-prepared and undermanned for the, the rioting that broke out. Same thing, I think, could be true of some of the early stuff that went on in Minneapolis. Seattle's a little bit different. Portland's certainly been different because we know that that's been going on for a long time. But I think what happened yesterday at the Capitol in Washington was in part a reflection on the fact that there was just not adequate resources. They failed to anticipate what was going to happen, and so they they got overwhelmed. That is a legitimate criticism of law enforcement. A second very legitimate criticism right now is why were there not more arrests? And for the record, that is a question that I asked last summer about what happened in Madison. That was a question that I asked about what happened in Kenosha. Why weren't there more arrests? It's a question of what I've asked on multiple occasions about Wauwatosa, where you had a number of the things that occurred, including going out to the girlfriend of the of the cop's house and and shotguns going off and all that destruction i think it's been fair to say all along that the law enforcement response in general to a lot of this civil unrest has been we we don't want to we don't want to make things worse by going in and starting to arrest people that is a philosophy that i have never bought into because i think it enables people and and yeah just like i wish they would have made i cannot look at that violence that went on kenosha or in madison and understand why there were so few arrests that were made and i also can't understand how looking at what happened yesterday how you can only have like the last number i saw was i think 54 arrests or something like that that Part of it is that the cops were overwhelmed, but part of it is they did not treat the protesters aggressively enough. 855-616-1620, that's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I guess that that's my thought on this. I think what what's happened over the last several months, regardless of what the nature of the protest is, protests on social justice issues, protests about the election, all these things, I think in many cases law enforcement has been ill-prepared for it, there's really no excuse that they were ill-prepared for what was going to happen yesterday because you knew a large group of angry people were going to be descending. And so there, there should have been more of a police presence. There should certainly should have been more arrests. I don't know that it's necessarily that unique because we've seen other examples of that this year. But one way or the other, it, it's it, it's time for this stuff to stop. 
And at least in Kenosha, I understand why the first day or so the co- the police were overwhelmed because it was a spontaneous protest. They didn't know it was going to happen, and the the mob got to Kenosha before the cops could. Yesterday, yesterday they, they should have been able to anticipate it. Okay, those are some of my thoughts. I, I think that I think law enforcement does have a lot of explaining to do about why it was allowed to get as out of control yesterday. And again, this is. You can say in Kenosha, hey, we're not used to having, you know, mobs descend on us. In in Washington, D.C., like I say, large-scale protests happen on a regular basis. What doesn't happen, typically, is that the protest gets as out of control as it got yesterday. All right, let's start with Marcus on the north side. Marcus, good afternoon. How are you doing, Jeff? Uh, this is an easy subject to talk about. Hopefully a lot of your listeners uh, that are with the Trump uh, People are protesting. But here's the deal. We knew back in December from intelligence that this date, January 6th, that was going to be an issue. Trump broadcasted it. He stated that it's, it, it's going to be an issue as far as to block the, 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 the electorate as far as being that done. Okay, given that intelligence, even more so, as we led up to that massive date yesterday, the moment that Trump announced when he did his speech before he said, I will walk with you up there to the Capitol, the National Guard and other enforcement agencies to reinforce the White House at that point. Now, Trump, of course, he incited the riots. I don't care what you say about that. But the Capitol Police at that point, and thank God for Mike Pence, what he did as far as having this, because Trump, he failed in his duties to authorize the National Guard to be there. But prior to this, they, they knew that this was going to happen because you had objections to the election mm-hmm. at this point. We knew doggone well that this was going to happen. This is not a spontaneous thing, not like Kenosha, where that just popped up out of the blue. But you had advance warning of over two weeks. Now, the White House at this point, you can verify this, at least with D.C. at this point, they've shut things down at this point through the inauguration. Thank God for that. But at this point, I think that the police should be armed. There should not be an issue why police cannot be armed at the White House because they have police guards at the banks. When you go to the bank, there are certain armed guards. Okay, well, let me stop the you there, Marcus. I mean, you, you, you're, you're not advocating the police shooting the protesters slash rioters, whatever you want to call yesterday. I mean, you're, you're not making the point that, gee, more people should be shot, are you? No, I'm not making an advocation that more people... Actually, the the woman that got shot, she got what she deserved. I don't well, feel sorry for that because she was in the U.S. military and yeah. she pasted, posted things about Pence on there so people can look it up. So that's fact. So I'm not stating something that's not factual. But what I'm saying is that that were black people. They would have opened fire. It would have been a bloody Wednesday yesterday. So let's stop playing well, games. Well, wait, well, why, 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 well you say that, but we've had we we've had social justice protests all all over the country, and in many cases, some of them have devolved into violence. And, and you don't have police shooting people on on the streets. I mean, you, you didn't have that in Wisconsin. You haven't had it in Seattle. You haven't had it in Portland. I mean, I, I think. 
the police, I think, in general, have shown a lot of restraint, arguably maybe too much restraint. But uh, thanks for calling, Mark. I guess I'm kind of troubled by this idea that you should be shooting people. And, and if it were black people, they would be shot. Well, no, you, you, you've had, like I say, social justice protests all across the country, and police haven't opened fire. It's I think we learned something maybe after Kent State with the National Guard back in 1970, which isn't to say that I think the response has been adequate or, or accurate. And I do think, Marcus, you make a point which is a point I was trying to make as well, that Kenosha, Madison, for example, these were situations where it was, it was a, I think, a spontaneous thing spiraled out of control, and they didn't have advance notice sufficient to recognize that this was going to happen, and it took them a while to get law enforcement in. I do think it is a very, very fair question to say, knowing what the potential for this was, why wasn't there a much larger police presence? Jeff, here's a text. Did you want the Capitol Police to use water cannons and rubber bullets, and, and what else? Well, I wanted the Capitol Police to have enough support from whether it's the National Guard or whether it's other law enforcement agencies to be able to stop people from, for example, getting into the, the, the Capitol. You know, let, let, let's have a couple rows of police with the riot gear or whatever, so you're not going to let just people walk in and, and be able to get there. I, I think that there is... There, there is a medium between saying, here, pull out rifles and start shooting people in the crowd, and here, just let people do whatever they want. There, 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 is, a, there is a medium that you can find, and they failed to find that yesterday. Um, 855-616-1620. Jeff, she got what she deserved. Um, yeah, that... Okay, you have a woman who shot yesterday. I, I still the, 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 by the police. That's going to be the subject of of a lengthy investigation. I think there's going to be legitimate questions about whether it was necessary to shoot that woman under those circumstances. And I've been trying to stay away from that because we don't know all the facts. But um, we, we can't be shooting rioters. We can't be shooting looters. We can't be shooting protesters. That's that is not um, Jeff. This is completely different. This is Capitol Hill where the government was in session. Um, I think um, if they were black, a lot of people would have been shot. Well, I I guess people can think that. Again, I, I think law enforcement in general in dealing with these situations has all across the country has shown great restraint in dealing with all sorts of protests. I'll be the first to tell you, though, I think that there was too much restraint yesterday. And that's not saying that I think people should have been shot. That's crazy. That's crazy. But there needed to be more of a police presence. And like I say, I think it's fair to ask the question, knowing what was going to be going on, why weren't people more prepared? Mike on the northwest side. Mike, you're on WTMJ. Hi, good afternoon, Jeff. What do you uh, think? My thoughts are that there should be there should be a lot more arrest and have people pay these fines and use those fines to pay for the damage. And on top of that, these people that are arrested should be given like cleaning supplies and brooms to clean up their mess after them. And for the Capitol, yes, there should be more police uh, presence there. I think that's one of the things that you should never ever have people be able to get into the White House. That's ridiculous. Uh, yeah, or into the Capitol. I, I don't yeah. know what I, don't, I really don't know how much force you have to have there, but there should have been more. Well, I, oh, absolutely. No, th- thanks for calling. And of course, there, there's, there's. Oh, if this was, you know, this type of person, that type of person, everyone would have been shot. No, but, but what? See that that's 
And again, I, I understand that Kenosha is different than Wisconsin, than Washington. I, I get it. But in Kenosha, the cops were overwhelmed. And so they, they fell back into a defensive position and essentially lost control of the streets. Yesterday in Washington, D.C., the Capitol Police were overwhelmed, essentially fell into defensive positions and and did, did nothing to restrain people. And I mean, I'm I'm. I'm not advocating, of course, coming out and shooting protesters or shooting rioters or, or whatever. You, you know, we don't do that in this country. And I don't think we would have done it if it was a different type of protest either. Would there have been more use of tear gas to disperse people? I, I think that that's, that's fair. I don't understand how the protesters slash mob, whatever you want to call them, I don't understand how they were allowed to get as far as they got. Cause once, once they got up on the veranda, once they started getting into the building, then you, you really had a heck of a mess. Back with more of your calls in just a moment. This is Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Uh, Mitch and Sturgeon Bay writes, Jeff, a stronger show of force and presence would have shut the thing down before it started. When you have to shoot unarmed people, you have failed. A- absolutely. A- absolutely. And it's, like I said, there's going to be a lot of questions about that. That shooting, we'll, we'll have time to discuss that at, at some point in time. One of our callers said, oh, she got what she deserved. I, I, I reject that. <laughs> That's When you have to shoot unarmed people, I agree completely. You, you have completely failed in that. And I think this is the question. I'm talking about the Capitol Police, but there, there's a lot of a lot of agencies that are involved here. You've got the Department of Homeland Security. You've got the, the local, the, the mayor of, of Washington, D.C. There's a lot of questions to be asked about how that got so out of control yesterday. Uh, Joe in West Dallas. Joe, you're on WTMJ. Uh, hi, good morning. Hi, Joe. Afternoon. Um, hi. One, um, everyone there wasn't unarmed. And two, it's not like the Capitol doesn't have these kind of protests by nut jobs once a week. Uh, You're going to tell me that all of a sudden last night they couldn't handle this. They do this once a week, you know, and nah, it's just, we're, we're, we're we're a joke to the world right now. Well, we are. No, thank you. Right now. What happened? Joe, thanks for calling. Go ahead. Go ahead. Make your point. you're You're part of that. Your dishonesty is part of that because to compare it to Kenosha, that's what drives these wackos. Thank you. I, Joe, I have no idea what you mean. <laughs> I just, I have, I have absolutely no idea what you are talking about. Um, the, the, they, the Capitol Police were unprepared. They do, and that's my point exactly. They have demonstrations frequently in D.C. Now, now most of them are kept under control, and to me, there's got to be some accountability as to why. What happened yesterday was allowed to happen. Why people were allowed to, to get to those situations. David in Mequon. David, you're on WTMJ. Hey, Jeff. Uh, listen, uh, yesterday, I think, obviously, that it was rock bottom, and there was a lot of damage done as far as, you know, going forward, uh, because what happened, what you saw yesterday, and I actually did not re- realize this. My wife actually um pointed out to me and there was a YouTube video and there was, um, there was one uh, occasion, uh, there was a clip where you actually saw inside the building itself, like in the lobby where a a person was taking a selfie with one of the officers. Yeah. And then you had another situation where there was a guy like waving, you know, the people that come through and then they opened up the gates you know, they, or, you know, those temporary uh, metal gates that they had. Yep. 
So they compounded it yep. by, you know, by doing that in appeasing. And then the second thing is, uh, to your point, uh, being unprepared, uh, I would say that's a complete understatement only because... Hey, David, uh, I'm sorry. I got, I've got to, I apologize for cutting you off. I've got to take a hard break in just a couple seconds here. But yeah, they, they were completely unprepared. And yeah, there's some of these troubling pictures of taking selfies with people who are trespassing. Welcome back to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Just to wrap up our conversation in the last half hour, um, there, there, I just don't think there's any question that, that law enforcement failed to respond uh, appropriately. Apparently, if you, there, there's a big piece about this in the Wall Street Journal about how the decision was made not to confront protesters, rioters, the mob, whatever you want, because this is a strategy that law enforcement has used over the course of the last year when dealing with a variety of different types of, of protest. It's essentially, we don't want to make things worse by going in and making arrests when people are doing things that they shouldn't do. I have argued against that strategy. I, I think it, it, generally speaking, it doesn't work. And if you allow people to ignore the law and to trespass and to get away with stuff, whatever it's going to be, all it does is embolden them. And I think I've been proven right time after time and yesterday, you saw this play out on an extreme level in the Capitol. There should have been a, a larger presence. Uh, the police should not have been overwhelmed. There should have been Homeland Security people. There should have been National Guard troops. And, and yes, they should have been able to anticipate this more. And I think it, it's something that the people responsible for keeping the Capitol safe are going to have to account for at some point in time. And the other lesson, I think, moving forward is, again, when you have these large-scale demonstrations that have the potential for getting out of control, regardless of what the issue is, you have to have a police presence that's there and anticipating it. The, the local example is Wauwatosa, and I understand Wauwatosa is different than the state than the U.S. Capitol. But you know, in Wauwatosa, they learned from what happened in Madison. They learned from what happened in Kenosha, and when you had ultimately the decision that came out that had the potential to provoke a response from certain people, the decision, for example, not to issue charges against uh, the former Wauwatosa police officer, Joseph Mensa, they anticipated that there was a large presence there and things did not get out of control. And I think that's the, the lesson. And they failed it in D.C. yesterday. All right. So let us switch gears. There are two weeks left in the Trump administration. Up until yesterday evening, President Trump had really not indicated that he intended to cooperate with a lawful transition of power. He, he finally said something like that, I think, through a Twitter, through an aide on Twitter, because his Twitter account was suspended. That's a whole nother story. But but now he, he, he says he's willing to cooperate, although I don't think you're going to see him at the inauguration. If that, in fact, happens two weeks from today, Joe Biden will be inaugurated. And let me say this. Joe Biden's going to be inaugurated on, in two weeks. I don't think there's any question about that now. But now the question is, what happens over the next two weeks? Nancy Pelosi just got done with a, a news conference, and I didn't obviously have an opportunity to um, listen to it. But I've got kind of a summary here. What she essentially said is that the cabinet 
should immediately invoke the 25th Amendment and try to remove the president from office. And if the cabinet's unwilling to do that, then what should happen is Congress should immediately begin impeachment proceedings. Now, let let me, I I appreciate all the rhetoric that's out there. Um, Let's, again, look at, at reality and let's look at the law. The 25th Amendment is is an amendment that addresses presidential disability. What happens if the president is incapacitated? The president is under surgery. For example, like Ronald Reagan, under surgery after he was shot in his first term. Um, What happens if the president suffers a a stroke or a heart attack and is unable to to do his job? The 25th Amendment deals with this. in situations like that, the vice president and a member of the cabinet can declare the president unable to discharge the powers and duties of his office by notifying the leaders of the House and Senate. At that point, the vice president assumes the duties of the president. But but the president has to go along with that. That That's something that requires the president to go along with it. If the vice president and cabinet declare the president incapacitated, he could reclaim his powers by writing to legislative leaders and declaring his ability to do the job. In other words, I'm, I, I've, I've recovered sufficient to do the job. I'm out of surgery. I'm aware of this. If the vice president and cabinet members object, then the matter gets kicked over to Congress, which has 21 days to act. It requires a two-thirds vote in both chambers to strip the president of his powers once and for all. The the 25th Amendment then, and I think we had somebody, I've been listening to the clips of this all day, we had somebody on the morning news, it's really not a situation like this. It's if the president is incapacitated, typically, again, like a medical sort of thing. So I, I don't think that that's really going to be appropriate. Then that means the other alternative would be impeachment. And we've been through impeachment on multiple occasions over the last you know, 20 to 25 years. But there is a, a process, a trial in Congress, a trial in the House, uh, articles of impeachment and debate in the House, ultimately a trial in the Senate. Meanwhile, there's two weeks left in the Trump administration. Our number, 855-616-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. All right, where do we stand? Should Vice President Pence and the cabinet try to oust President Trump with the 25th Amendment? Legally, I just don't think there's a basis to do it, but all right. Or absent that, should Congress move to try to impeach the president with two weeks left on his term? 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. And would that be good for America? We'll discuss. 855-616-1620. Do you have enough time as a practical matter? Is it appropriate? Has the president committed impeachable acts? Or do we just kind of let the clock wind down um, over the next two weeks? 855-616-1620. I'll tell you where I come down, and we will discuss in just a moment. Back to Take Your Calls. Here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. I freely admit that Monday morning when I start preparing the show and thinking 
well, where were we going to go and what are the things we're going to be discussing? I, I never had any clue that we'd be having the conversations that we're having right now. All right, Nancy Pelosi says, look, if Congress, if the vice president and the cabinet won't remove Donald Trump immediately with the 25th Amendment, a process that I just don't think I, I just don't think is appropriate by that. I mean, legally appropriate. Um, she says then Congress should impeach. Now, there's only two weeks left in the term. What do you do? My my comment is, I think you let it go. I think you 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 let it go because I don't think you have enough time to do stuff. I think trying to launch an impeachment further further divides the country, which is the last thing we need to do now. Of course, then then the issue is, you know, what 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 might President Trump do in the last two weeks? Eight five five six one six one six twenty. Let's start with uh, Dan in Milwaukee. Dan, you're on WTMJ. Hi, Jeff. Thank you for taking my call. Yes, sir. Uh, I, I think this is basically a political ploy by Pelosi and the Democrats. They're just going to ride him until the 20th. They're not going to give him any rest. Oh, yeah. I think she hates him so much. I think that's, that's the reason behind this, because they know they can't really do anything. Okay, so is your is your response to just then then just kind of like I was just saying, let it ride it out for the next two weeks, and, and then oh, we'll have the orderly oh. transition of power? Absolutely. I mean, the, the, the Democrats know they're not, they, they can't impeach him. They don't have the time. Right. And the 25th doesn't apply, I don't believe. I agree. So I, think I agree with you, too. Um, thanks, Nicole. Okay, I, I, I appreciate that. 855-616-1620. Yeah, I, 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 think, I think you ride it out a, as well. I think at this point in time, again, I don't believe the 25th Amendment comes into play, um, especially if the president's not going to go along with it and the president's not, like I say, again, the 25th Amendment is, I, I'm, the president's had a heart attack, he's unable, or the president's having surgery, here you sign that letter, and then once you come out of anesthesia, you, you take back the, the power. 25th Amendment really isn't geared for this. Now, a number of people are saying, well, he's mentally ill. Well, all right, that's... That's a matter of having to prove, and I don't know that there's any basis for for being able to prove that. 855-616-1620. Let's talk to Curtis and Franklin. Curtis, you're on WTMJ. Hello. Hey, how are you? I'm well, thank you. What do we do over the next two weeks? You, you know, I'll, I'll tell you. Um, you know, one of the things that we do in the military with folks who are, um, we'll say, unfit, right, is we do our best to retrain them, limit their scope, until obviously they're they're either exiting the military or um, in this particular case i think we just need to ensure that we have multiple areas of folks doing checks and balances on all the things that it is that he's capable of doing right um obviously that's why we have folks who are supposed to be working with him on the things that he's putting out um you know i think folks take his words very literally and frankly i think that if we were to even attempt to remove him things would only get worse, right? I mean, the folks that are leading the movement, um, as, as one gal said yesterday, this revolution, I truly feel that they firmly believe that their purpose and mission in life now, you know, is, is to follow uh, President Trump. So I think we have to be very cognizant of that and how we move forward. Is it, I, and I don't disagree with anything you just said, Curtis. Is it troubling to you at all that... Um, there now appears to be a number of government officials that, in the wake of what happened yesterday, they're they're resigning. Does does that does that bother you? So so I'll tell you what I think that each and every single one of them still has um, 
to be held accountable regardless. I think that their ability to just jump ship is, is attempting to, to leave the, the blame at his footsteps um, at his door. And, and again, you know, I think that everyone that has led up to this point that has gone along with some of the things that have happened, right, whether there's been facts or not, you know, I believe that they're accountable for some of this stuff. Mm-hmm. And yesterday, frankly, I have four combat tours. Yesterday was one of the worst things I've ever seen um, in, in in our history, obviously. And having been to Afghanistan twice, Iraq twice, um, and a bunch of other places, that yesterday was extremely scary. Um, the commitment that you saw from the folks that were um, going into the U.S. Capitol uh, was it, it was scary to see. Well, yeah, yesterday is something. Th- those are pictures that you would have expected to see in in Iran when you know we're trying to when you're you're trying to overthrow the the Shah's government or something like that. That's they they were scary pictures. You're absolutely right, Curtis. There's no question about it. It reminded me of Benghazi, if you, if you think about it. You know, um, going into this culprit CIA, uh, you know, compound. I mean, truly, just taking it over. Um, you know, and, uh, you know, trying to impress upon certain things. But, you know, I, I think, again, at the end of the day, the folks that went to the Capitol um, that were protesting um, were doing so, you know, um, exercising their First Amendment rights. Obviously, it was a small group of folks that took it to the next right. step, but it was just truly scary to see fellow Americans doing that. I, Curtis, I couldn't. I could not disagree with anything you just said. And and I, th- that is a point that needs to be made. Everybody that went to Washington, D.C. was not part of the, the subset of people that, that stormed the Capitol, just like um, the vast majority of people that show up for social justice protests are not the ones that decide to, you know, burn down 50 buildings. But but at the same time, it, it was a scary thing, reminiscent of something you would expect to see in a third world, in a, in a banana republic or a dictatorship or or a military junta, junta or something like that. And I, I guess I, I I just think for the next two weeks, there, I don't believe there's enough time for impeachment. I don't think the 25th Amendment occurs. My question that I was trying to get at with the resignations is, does kind of trouble me a little bit. I understand people are resigning in protest because they don't like all the stuff that the president has done over the last two months. And I don't like a lot of the stuff the president has done over the last two months. At the same time, with two weeks left in the administration, I would I would think that a lot of people that were in place should be staying in place just to make certain that, all right, that the country continues to run smoothly until we have that transition of power. Zach in New Berlin. Zach, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Hey there. Yeah. Hi, Zach. And I, I, how are you? I'm well, thank you. What do you think? I agree. And, you know, I am a Democrat, and I'm more on that side than not. And I agree. I don't think that it would make sense to impeach him, but I understand where that side is coming from, because he's really only egging on more so than completely trying to shut it down. Now, having that come into question, well, we should remove him from office immediately so that it's not going to get worse in those two weeks. I agree. But I don't think that that makes sense because it's only two weeks away. Yeah. The administration, I think, is on the other side saying that, you know, these extremist groups that are storming the Capitol, that's that's a big deal with some pretty big consequences. We can't have that anymore. And I don't think that they're going to let that go forward. I, you know, Zach. I, thanks. I, I agree with you. I, and I think, I, I think at this point in time, yes. And I, I understand the president has 
tremendous power. But I want to I want to circle back to something I said two hours ago at the start of the program. I, I believe the events of yesterday have 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 pretty much ended Donald Trump as a political figure in this country. Maybe not the idea of some of the policies that he advocated, but I think at this point in time, you have the overwhelming majority of, of legislators, Democrats and Republicans, who are appalled by what happened yesterday and appalled legitimately by some of the things that the president has said and done over the course of the last couple months. And, and I think that there is is a watchfulness that's going to be there. And I understand the president has a lot of power, but just like at the end of Richard Nixon's term before he resigned, just like you, you had a point where he had, had lost the Congress, I think that that tipping point occurred yesterday. I don't think as a practical matter you can force the president out. I haven't given any lengthy thought as to whether or not what he did yesterday or the call that he made in Georgia is an impeachable offense because I did not enough time to have that happen. Um, two weeks, the country will get through it. We will have a new administration and we'll be able to talk about their policies. It's 156. This is Jeff Wagner. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Good afternoon, Wisconsin. Welcome back to the show. I am crew producing the show today and always. Is it a bad sign that I'm ready to have a drink? <laughs> is, it, is, it, is, it, is it a bad sign that it's 2 o'clock in the afternoon and I'm, I'm already thinking, you know, once I get done with the program, I'm ready for a cocktail? This has been the most difficult dry January that I can remember. <laughs> oh, you gave up drinking, huh? Well, well I tried. <laughs> Yesterday wasn't easy. <laughs> that, yeah, see, I don't, I no, it's it's just, my, my, my wife is traveling, and, and so she sent me this note saying, well, how, how's it going? And I said, well, it's a circus outside. I, I actually, I kind of channeled the lyrics of, of one of my favorite hippie musicians, Todd Snyder, said, it's a circus out there, darling, and, you know, your your boy's got the sideshow blues. <laughs> you know, it's it's just we are not going to spend the entire two o'clock hour on on what went on in Washington. Um, there, there's just a couple other lighter things that I want to talk about. We'll certainly have an opportunity to revisit a number of things that we talked about today and yesterday in in future shows. But before we leave this subject, I do want to double back on on a topic that I launched that continues to get feedback that I launched at the beginning of the week. This was Monday, and this was before the Democrats picked up two seats in Georgia. This was before all the craziness that happened yesterday. The question that I asked on Monday, and this was after, you know, the president had continued to maintain the election was stolen stuff and that hour-long phone call, how quickly we forget, the hour-long phone call with the Republican Secretary of State in Georgia saying, you know, find me an extra 12,000 votes, et cetera, et cetera. The question I asked is, if you had to do it all over again, for people who voted for President Trump in November, would you vote for him again? And we, we had a very, very interesting conversation. And I would say 60 to 70 percent of the callers said no, that they were rethinking it. And 30 percent said they, they absolutely would. No question about it. Well, all right. There's there's a story that I have in my hands from the L.A. Times. This is the second American Revolution Armed right-wing groups celebrate capital attack, and it's quoting people who were involved in, in what happened yesterday 
who are, are talking about how, let's see, for example, one of the guys who's there, who's part of a group called the Oath Keepers, says, you've got blanked off patriots that are not going to accept their form of government being stolen. We're walking down the exact same path as the founding fathers, said the guy who's a former army paratrooper and Yale Law School graduate. Um, oh, okay. Um, we shouldn't be clashing with the police, um, but, um, you know, we, we have every right to be there. This is a second, this is the second American revolution. Another guy that they quote, let's see, um, uh, his name is Harris Hill, Marine veteran who leads the 75-member Georgia-based Triple-I security force, called the attack on the Capitol a shot heard round the world. The second revolution begins today. And then the story I'm looking at goes on to quote, you know, other other groups who are celebrating what happened yesterday. This is this is it's like 1776 all over again. Right before the break, I, I got a, a text and I just want to share this with you. The texter says, Jeff, if Donald Trump would run for president in 2024, he would have my vote in a heartbeat. If Donald Trump would run for president in 2024, he would have my vote in a heartbeat. All right, just one segment. But I want to revisit this question that I asked Monday, three days later. For those of you, if you voted for Donald Trump this time, and 70 million people did. Look, if you're if you didn't vote for Trump, you know, keep listening. But that's not I don't want to talk to you right now. We'll talk to you about other stuff. But if you voted for Trump. My question is, if the election were held tomorrow instead of, you know, two months ago, would you vote for President Trump again? 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Knowing what's all happened over the course of the last two months. Now, you could argue that, well, if Trump had won in, in early November, that we wouldn't have, things wouldn't have played out as they have. But knowing what we know now, would you vote for President Trump again if the election were held tomorrow or presumably in 2024? Now, as we all know, my theory is that the events of the last couple weeks have, have pretty much ended at least Donald Trump as a viable political candidate moving forward. But some people disagree. But let's tee this up. I've got one of my texters that said if he'd run for president again, he would have my vote in a heartbeat. 855-616-1620. What say you? We discuss in a moment. Welcome back to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. If you follow me on Twitter, it's at Jeff Wagner 620. I just sent out a link to the story. The people saying this is the start of a second American revolution. My response was second revolution. I sure hope not. 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. All right. There are some people who say, look, this, this is the second American revolution. If the election were held tomorrow and you voted for President Trump two months ago, would you vote for him again? Let's talk to Rick in Heartland. Rick, you're on WTMJ. Hello. Hi. Say, so there is no way that I would vote for him a second time. I feel that he has cost us, his behavior has cost us control of the Senate. And I think he's um, pretty much screwed the Republican Party for the next decade. Well, I don't know. People forget quickly. And so I, I don't know if it's the next decade, but he certainly 
He certainly messed around with the Republican Party for the next two years because that election in Georgia should have been won by both those Republican candidates by three to five points. And I firmly believe, and I think most everybody else does, were it not for were it not for the narcissism, the obsession on the election, throwing all the Republicans off message and ultimately depressing the Republican vote, uh, both those senators would have been reelected with no question in my mind. None, none at all. I agree exactly. Thanks to the call. Okay, 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Let's talk to David in West Bend. David, good afternoon. Uh, I voted for nobody the first time he ran. I voted for Trump this time, and I absolutely would not vote for the man ever again. He's just, he's an embarrassment to be leading our country. Yeah. So you were, you're, you're having essentially like loser's remorse. You're having regret over your vote in November. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I, I, uh, I find it hard to say, but I'm almost happy that uh, uh, Biden won. Yeah. Thanks for call. Appreciate it. Um, let's see. Let's go to the text line. Jeff, I had a very hard time voting for the president in November. I couldn't vote, bring myself now to vote for his competition. If the election were tomorrow, the decision would be a slam dunk. Um, Jeff, I would vote for him again based on his first four-year accomplishments. Um, well, okay, there's, uh, there is that there. Jeff, um, I did in November. I wouldn't vote for him again. Mr. President, you're fired. Jeff, I would vote for Trump again. It's amazing. I would vote for Trump again. It's amazing he lasted this long after being terrorized for four years by people who hated that he won. D- despite my disagreement with how he tweets and some of the things he said, I attribute some of that uh, to him being a New Yorker. That's the texter, not me. I agreed with most of what he did for the country and believe he accomplished more of a Republican conservative agenda than any other president has or ever will. Well, two words to that, Ronald Reagan. Um, Jeff, it feels good to know that I voted for Biden. Jeff, um, round up the second revolution, people. That is treason. Um, Jeff, I wouldn't. Um, I would write in Paul Ryan. The president is showing how much of a spoiled baby he is by throwing a temper tantrum. Heard he locked himself in the residential part of the White House. I voted for him the last two times. Uh, no more. I am done with um, this. Jeff, I voted, okay, this is the first time I've responded to a question of yours. I'm a longtime listener. I voted for the party both times, which meant I voted for him. But after his behavior the past few months, and especially yesterday, absolutely not. Jeff, I would vote for President Trump again. I have no use for the Democratic Party and the Biden-Harris agenda. Okay, let's see. Uh, let me text right down here. Jeff, uh, no, I would not vote for him again, although I would not vote for Biden either if the election were tomorrow. Feeling a bit lost as a Republican right now. I don't blame Trump for the country's divisiveness. However, with him gone, maybe the country can be more easily repaired. Jeff, I voted for Trump both times. After what's been happening over the last several weeks, I couldn't vote for him as the dog catcher. Jeff, my vote would be for a padded cell for him right now. Jeff, I would vote for the president if his opponent was a far-left Democrat. Jeff, no, I would definitely not vote for him again. And my personal lesson learned is that I will never compromise my better judgment and 
and ignore my gut feelings again. I did not vote for him in 2016, and now I wish I had not in 2020. Jeff, to answer your question, would I vote for him again? No way. Jeff, yes, 100%, I would vote for him again. I'm a 40-something suburban white woman. Interesting. Jeff, I would vote for Trump. The Bidens are in trouble with the Hunter Biden issue, and we don't need socialism. All right. Definitely. I would vote for him again without question. Jeff, um, let's see. Uh, Jeff, I did. No more. Candidly, uh, Biden is already impressing me. Jeff, I would absolutely vote for him again. I think that all the things that have happened since the election would make any person go crazy. And then they go on to talk about fraudulent activity. Um, Jeff, absolutely. Are you considering the alternative? Well, we're, we're going to find out, I guess, what the alternative is. Um, so there you go. Jeff, as far as I got, uh, what I have to say is Trump 2024. Um, no, 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 I don't think so. Uh, Jeff, I voted Republican for 40 years. This is the first time I'm embarrassed by my vote. No, I would not vote for him knowing what I know now. Um, so there you have it. I, I, again, as, as I started out the program, I, I do think Donald Trump as a, as a significant political figure in American politics, I, I think the last two months in general, and I think yesterday in particular, probably has caused that to, to jump the shark. Now, am I saying that he's going to go quietly? No, but I, I think his brand has been, as a politician, irreparably damaged among, well, it's been damaged, destroyed among the the left, but certainly I think among a lot of people in the center and a lot of people on the, the right. Where we go from here, that's going to be interesting. This is Jeff Wagner.